Welcome to Interrevolutionary Radio with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. This week's topic, when the ego runs for president, how can we vote for oneness? Stay tuned and find out. The ego boasts, manipulates, tears others down, puffs itself up, and does anything to Does that sound like somebody running for president? Okay, we confess we're describing Donald Trump. Does Hillary Clinton have ego? You bet. She is self-protective, secretive, and willing to make deals for power. But does she also care for others? Does she think about the consequences of her words and policies? Is she responsible? Yes. And that's the difference. Donald is all ego. Hillary is half and half. So how do we react when the ego roars? Some of us are accustomed to shrink. Some to fight back with our own egos. Some of us love the guy because we feel safer when the ego is in charge. Or we associate with him, projecting that his power is ours. Let's do something revolutionary. Fight ego with oneness. Stay tuned. Let's be honest about how we're reacting and why. Let's turn the tables on the ego. When the ego runs for president, let's vote for oneness. Let's talk about how. And now, here's Beth. Hi. Well, before we get to the ego and oneness and all of that, first, we have the news of the inner revolution. But even before we get to the news of the inner revolution, we just want to say, oh, how happy we are to be on the air. We had a power adage this morning from 6 a.m. until now, 6 a.m. Pacific time. And that was a long outage. And we had everything set up, but it didn't work. Oh, we had a generator going and, you know, all this stuff. And things were beeping and we couldn't get... Well, we finally got some tech support, and I mean literally two minutes before we go on the air, right? We get everything working, and then they turn the power on. I don't know whether I should feel supported or pissed. Why did we, but <laughs> we're leaving. What does the ego say? Really, really, what does the ego say? Neener, neener. No, I feel supported. That's how I see it. I feel like this is a vote for inner revolutionary radio that... The universe conspired to get us, but, but we didn't have the faith to go on to, you know, to have no source of power until the last second. <laughs> anyway, so here we are. So now I'm going to share with you. So first of all, you know, Helen. Hi, Helen. You're going to be hosting today. Yes, thank you. I'm uh, excited to be here, well, as always. I'm, I'm excited to have you here. I'm so glad that you're going to be thinking of questions because I was so busy worrying about the Internet you know, I didn't do the news. So the news of the inner revolution, I'm just going to like do this on the fly. So the first thing I want to share with you, oh, the inner revolution, if you're not familiar, is oneness, accountability, and mutual support. If we could all start doing that, man, we would have a different world, right? So now here's an example of a lack of oneness, accountability, and mutual support up the wazoo. I'm... Not sure that all of you have seen these articles. Christine sent one of them to us. I found a couple also on along the line about how the sugar industry has distorted health science. Yep. And have you heard that? Uh, yes, I read the same thing. Isn't it shocking? And now this is the thing. I want to get down to this one. Sugar industry secretly paid for favorable Harvard research. Okay, Harvard, Harvard. I mean, don't you think like, oh, it's Harvard. 
You know what I mean? Like Harvard, that is like the snob university of the planet. And that people from Harvard would take money and they had very skewed results. I know this is a big shock to you. Because the sugar industry wanted us to believe that all these bad health things were only coming from fat, saturated fat. And now, have you noticed that there's more and more about how there's a lot of good fats and maybe fat isn't so bad for you, but heart disease caused by sugar. Sugar! Now, here's another thing that was very interesting that I read. Now, I don't have the exact article because I couldn't prepare properly for our show. But anyway, it's showing that it isn't just that the sugar industry trade group initiated and paid for studies, but that whenever you have a sponsor paying for the study, it seems like, oddly enough, it turns out that the study is in the sponsor's favor. Are you shocked by that piece of information? So Terribly shocked. Te- <laughs> terribly shocked. Ter- <laughs> terribly shocked. So anyway... So go from the sugar industry and all of that other venality and corruption, which is not about oneness because they don't give a damn about us, right? It's not about accountability because they're not being held accountable for how bad these things are for us. And it certainly isn't about mutual support. So another piece of information, which is actually good, middle class incomes had their fastest growth on record last year. That means that the middle class Americans and the poor enjoyed their best year of economic improvement in decades in 2015, a spike that broke a years-long streak of disappointment for American workers, but did not fully repair the damage inflicted by the Great Recession. See now here, real median income. Do, Do you know what median means? It means like Most of the income is around, it's not the same as average where you take the ups and the downs and you put it together and you split down the middle. No. Median means like this is where people tend to, you know, the majority of us tend to be. Medium household income, real median, I don't know what unreal median household income is, was $56,500 in 2015, the Bureau reported, up from 53700 in 2014. That's a 5.2% increase. And the poverty rate fell by 1.2 percentage points, the steepest decline since 1968. There were 43.1 millions in po- million Americans in poverty in the year and 3.5 million fewer than in 2014. So, you know, 3.5 million out of 43.1 million, well, for the people who are left in poverty, that's not great, but for the 3.5 million fewer, that is a great thing. And the share of Americans who lack health insurance continued a years-long decline. I wonder why. I wonder if that has anything to do with Obamacare. And also wonderful news is that the incomes increased for men and women and that the income in uh, gap between the two genders narrowed slightly, which is hardly enough. And it con- and everybody across racial and ethnic groups did better. Although there were other issues like median incomes did not budge significantly in rural areas, 
while in cities they grew by 7.3%. So you see that's where it is. And the South saw significantly weaker income growth than the West. So this is all very good. Now, are you hearing the Republicans talking about this? Helen, have you heard that? No, not at all. Of course not. Right, of course not. So anyway, because we should really lynch President Obama, who, you know, God bless him, did get us out of the worst uh, recession uh, since the Great Depression. Not to say that things are good. You know, we're always talking about income inequality. This does not change the problems of the American economy. It just means that, you know, the Republicans are trying to make everything look terrible so that people will not vote for the Democrats. Yeah. Okay, so some other good news. There's a teen who has made a Sit With Us app. Chris, one of our listeners, sent us this. And it helps students find lunch buddies. Isn't that nice? And this teen had gone through an experience of having a whole year of not having anybody to eat with, and she was bullied and all that. So she had this inspiration to make this app. And it helps students find lunch buddies, and it's helping to combat bullying. Isn't that cool? And nobody knows. It's all done via, you know, whatever these apps are, probably via the Internet or something, or cell phones. or Anyway, so nobody knows. So that is really, really good. Now, here is another not very good piece of information, which is that evidence is piling up that the herbicide Roundup manufactured by Monsanto has actually impacted the level of autism and that some MIT scientist believes that and has studied this. Now, I don't know whether or not this is a fact, but I would bet you that this study by the MIT scientist was not funded by Monsanto. What do you I think? I bet you not. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's <laughs> Anne Elizabeth. A a listener sent us that piece of information. Now, Chris also sent us a very cool story from the Washington Post that there is no hijab emoji. Now, does everybody know what an emoji is? I'm just finding out, you know. It's like one of these little things that you stick next to your face, like a smiley face. Anyway, a 15-year-old student is trying to change that. She wanted something that represented her alongside the millions of women who wear headscarves every day. And these are just adorable. They're just adorable. So so there's another teenager who's taking the world into her hands. And there's another cool story. Aren't you, isn't this happy news today? Yes, it is. CNN had a story about a, a woman who is a model who had acid thrown in her face. And she has a clearly scarred face and she's, when she was 16, a 32-year-old man threw acid in her face after she refused to marry him. God, that's a reason, right? So she's getting out there, and she's on the runway, and she's trying to help change. And this particular company that's working with her, you know, they're bringing more and more, you know, different versions of what reality, of what beauty is that's from the inside out. And I love that kind of a story because that means that there really is a change in consciousness. This isn't something that we're saying should happen. It's we're saying it is happening. So that's yes. really cool. That is really cool. There, there are people with Down syndrome now who are modeling and all kinds of people with different uh, 
conditions that people used to you know, uh, think prohibited them from getting into the fashion industry. And this woman with the acid thrown in her face yes. uh, is also backing legislation to make acid harder to obtain in India. Oh, my God. What a great story. Thank you for that added piece of news. Another piece of good news is that scientists, I mean, I think it's good news. Scientists are getting faster and faster at linking extreme weather to uh, climate change, to global warming, human-made global warming. It's like they're beginning to say, yes, that was caused by global warming. Now, that's not a happy story because, you know, God knows what's happening to our planet. But at least it's happening more and more. It's like the people who are denying climate change are just getting squeezed into a corner. Uh, Another great story that... California is the first state to pass overtime pay for farm workers, according to The Guardian. Is this a historic historic change? The state's 800,000 farm workers will be eligible for time and a half pay after 40 hours of work week. Oh, my God. We're beginning to treat farm workers like human beings, like uh, workers. Amazing. Amazing. You know. Oh, Now, here's a laugh and a half, uh, a happy, sad story. The Huffington Post just did a story on the fact that the Senate finally passed funding to help Flint because the Republicans keep blocking it by adding all kinds of nonsense to it, like defund Planned Parenthood. So, but the House doesn't have plans to take up the legislation before its pre-election break. Can you imagine? So the people in Flint, Michigan, are still waiting for help from the federal government. Okay. Yep. 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 I saw in the news just today that California is moving to allow undocumented immigrants to buy insurance. Wow. Imagine that. That... um, in a move that is sure to uh, dig this, in a move that is sure to draw the ire of Republicans, California officials are asking the Obama administration this week to approve a plan that would allow undocumented immigrants to buy health insurance on the state's public exchange. Well, it is so much smarter to have undocumented ing- immigrants get sick and 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 have contagious diseases that can spread around to other people. Don't you think that's smarter? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> or or, or, to, or to, to have them end up in emergency rooms, uh, you know, way past uh, and, uh, where they, they can't pay for anything. I mean, Which that costs really makes. the state way more money. That's right. It's all, it, it's just insane. Yes. So now another touching thing that I saw in the Huffington Post today. Now, this has a very personal meaning to me. Lawmakers honors Ka- Kaepernick protest by sitting during the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, now, wait a minute. That was my internet going on. That story. I went to open the story to read you something and it started d- doing some ad. Anyway, Missouri State Senator Jamila Nasheed on Wednesday became the latest politician to decline to stand during the Pledge of Allegiance. The St. Louis Democrat said she took the action in the state capitol on Wednesday in a show of solidarity with the 49ers quarterback, 
the Associated Press reported. And, you know, that's Kaepernick who has been kneeling or sitting during the national anthem um, in order to really show his concern about police brutality towards black people. And he's reported many times. He's not against the police. He's just concerned about the, you know, killings of black people. Well, this is cool, I think. And she isn't the only one, by the way. Um, Now, why I wrote, on Wednesday, New York City Councilman Jumaine Williams refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance during a meeting in solidarity with Kaepernick. So this is like passing on. So ask me why I find this so incredibly exciting. Why do you find this so incredibly exciting? Well, since you asked, (laughs) (laughs) since you asked, I'm going to tell you. When I was nine, I know, Helen, you know the story. When I was nine years old, they added under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. And that was against the separation of church and state as far as I was concerned. And I was nine years old. I was in elementary school, and I refused to salute the flag and do the Pledge of Allegiance because... They had added under God. Well, they challenged me and they threatened to expel me from elementary school for this. And I failed civics. So when I see lawmakers saying, no, I'm not going to pledge allegiance or people like that, it's like, whoa, the times have changed. Well, should I tell you how long it's been since I was (laughs) nine years old? (laughs) 62 years, perhaps? Oh, yeah, that could be that could be it. So anyway, so I thought that was a very exciting thing. And also, you know, we shouldn't pass uh, the news without acknowledging the fact that there is some kind of a ceasefire in Syria, which they are hoping is going to hold. And I saw this beautiful picture of Syrian children just being kids and laughing. And it just brings tears to your eyes, right? After all this time, and God help us, you know, maybe this will last. And in a similar kind of, you know, who knows, who knows, President Obama stepped in and he temporarily halted the North Dakota pipeline after all of this um, protests of environmentalists and uh, the, uh, the, the, the tribes to stop this pipeline that is desecrating sacred land, but also really bad for the environment. And so this is a step, but is it going to hold? We don't yet know. So anyway, I thought we had some really cool news today. Have you heard that someone told me recently that they had read this in the news that the that our national anthem is actually has a, an unknown third verse that applauds slavery and oh. that, ah. and that uh, the the song was actually written about a battle with the British in which there were many former slaves fighting for the British and they were applauding uh, the surrender of this black troop. And that's what our national anthem is based on. Oh. I hope it, you know, I, I hope that's not true. But if it is, we, we need a new national anthem. 
We start, you know why we need a new national anthem anyway? Because nobody can sing it. That's true. So, <laughs> But, you know, Kaepernick may be just the beginning of something that really is much more broad-reaching. Well, uh, did they link that to Kaepernick? I mean, No, is, no, it's so, just something that, you know, yeah. because he brought it up, other people were looking into it. To it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could spread like a good virus. That's right. So, Helen, Beth. you're on. Yeah, what are, what are you, so, so I, I have no idea. I've had a million thoughts about that in the past, but I've had no thoughts today because I've been too busy hysterically trying to get on the air. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what you're going to ask me? I'm sure if you ask me a question, it'll get my brain functioning again. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I, I have no idea if it's even relate. I, I think it's related to ego, is this whole ridiculous contest about who is the most healthy. Ah! And, you know, here's, ah! this, here's this big fat guy who acknowledges that he doesn't exercise, but he is the most healthy president there ever has been. And, Except he's and, taking cholesterol low, cholesterol exactly, low exactly. medication. And, and, but he says he's the healthiest president there, there's ever been. <laughs> and, uh, and he is maligning and starting rumors about how Hillary is too weak to be president, which I think is a, a direct attack on her being a woman. It certainly looks that way. After all, didn't she spend too much time in the bathroom also? during a debate well this is the ego isn't it it will do anything to win so we should talk a little bit about what i mean when i say that the ego is running for president don't you think absolutely and that fits really in with what you're saying so well you know we've talked about the ego many times on our show but we don't assume that everybody who listened to this show has listened to other shows well you should listen to all of our shows because they're all great but Anyway, the ego is the part of us that says, me, 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 I, I, I. And another thing about the ego is that it says, no, no, no. Have you noticed? That's the two-year-old, right? That is, everyone has seen the ego. It's two years old. But the ego is our awareness of our individual existence. And we are so overwhelmed with me, me, I'm cold, I need, I'm hungry, I need to get into this school, I want that job, I want that man, oh, you know. So that's the ego. It's always about me. Well, now, the ego also, knowing that everything's about us, is always looking for a way to protect us. Now, sometimes the ego looks meek and mild and sweet. That's the persona right? Because that's the way we're going to get our needs met. But the point is the need, the ego is always looking to get its needs met. Now, there are people whose egos show up as being cooperative and sweet and nauseating and helpful and caring. And now, I'm not saying that those are bad qualities, but, you know, when they're ego-based, they can be pretty sickening because you know you're being manipulated, you know. But then there's the other kind of ego, and we are seeing it on the rampage here, not just in the candidate, but also, I'm afraid, in many of our brethren here who are voting for that candidate. And it's the Donald Trump. It's the Donald because the Donald is everything's about him. I'm going to fix that. Well, how? Never mind. I will do it. My plan is so secret that even I don't know what it is. 
And, you know, he's, it's all about him. It's about what he's going to do, what he thinks. He makes the rules. He breaks the rules. He changes his mind on this, on that. First, he's going to deport people. Then he isn't going to deport people. Then he is going to deport people. Then he is going to deport people. Then he is going to deport people. But, see, you're not voting for a guy with a plan with an actual approach. It's like this guy will do anything to get elected. That is the ego. It is the ego always has to win no matter what. And it will stoop to any level in order to win. Any level. You know, remember there was always a kid in school who cheated on every test. You know, there was somebody who would cheat in sports. There was the people who would take the drugs. It was the guy who would steal your girlfriend by telling her that you had herpes. There is always those people who unfortunately, and that's a sickness in them, I have to say, that, they're, that they will do anything to win. Well, Donald Trump is a do-anything-to-win kind of a guy. I mean, we see that he's gone bankrupt and he screwed creditors and he's left people high and dry and he is has discriminated against women and all of that stuff. And now he thinks his secret weapon is his daughter, Ivanka, who's going around saying, we should have paid maternity leave. He doesn't care about paid maternity leave. He never gave maternity leave to any of the women that worked for him, but suddenly he cares about maternity leave. Why? It's so <laughs> transparent, right? Because he wants to get women to vote. Oh, and he cares so much for black people. Oh, my God, that he, oh, he cares so much. Oh, his heart is bleeding for black people or, or for Hispanics. I mean, really, they've gotten such a dirty deal from the only people who've ever given Hispanics or black people, anything. And by the way, who's saying that that was enough? I am not saying the Democratic Party is like, you know, holy. But this is the ego. You see, it has to win no matter what. And that's what we see. And Donald Trump will get everybody's egos going. And that's the really sick thing, right? So he'll tell white people who have been struggling, let's say, with their incomes going down or with their loss of power in the world, even if their incomes are doing okay, they feel threatened. So instead of talking to them about how we all need to be mutually supportive and that it's better for everybody when poorer people have money, there's less reason for crime, reason for drugs, you know, people are happier, there's less... No, he doesn't do that. No, he says, yeah! You have a right and a reason to be angry at those African-Americans who maybe are trying to get a little bit of an advantage after they've been disadvantaged. And by the way, they're still disadvantaged, right? So it's like he takes everybody's ego up a notch. This is happening. You're getting a raw deal, right? You should be fighting for yourself and, and anything goes. You can win. Did you read, I'm sure you read this, Helen, 69-year-old woman gets punched in the face or something yes, like that? Yes, yes. I think the guy who did it was a 73-year-old guy. I think I read that somewhere. But anyway, see, you, you can win. See, see he's, he has no shame about triggering everybody's ego. Everybody, it's just about me. It's about me. It's whatever you are, it's about you. And your fear. And your fear. 
and your fear. I, I watched some ridiculous uh, interview. I can't remember the British guy's name, the interviewer interviewing this guy about gun control. And it, it was just, un, it was just like out of an, completely out of an insane asylum. The guy was just out of his mind. Was this a Trump supporter? Yes, of yeah. course. Well, you you just didn't mention that detail, so. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Democrats are going to eliminate the Second Amendment. The, one of the things that the ego does, and see, this is what the ego does to us, too. It's not just that the ego is doing it to somebody else. Our own egos do this to us. They tell us that we're no good, that we should try harder. They tell us that we should win. They tell us that we should be angry when someone else gets something that, that the ego tells us we should have. I mean, it really, and it puts us down all the time if we're not a winner. And, and it, it tells us we should feel threatened if somebody gets, gets the edge. Oh, you know. yes. Oh, yes. So, uh, you know, I was going to make a point, but I think Donald Trump came into my brain and took it away because I can't remember. (laughs) You were talking about the guy with, oh, yes, lying, 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 lying. Have you ever seen a bigger liar than Donald Trump? Do Do you know that very recently, but everybody out there already knows this, right? I just want to bring it back to the ego, but that he recently said that, Mm, yeah, well, maybe mm, President Obama was born in the United States. Isn't that amazing? I don't think even he said it. I think a surrogate of his said that he acknowledged that maybe it's true. See, the big lie, he is so the thing that you're talking about, that you started about, about Hillary and her help. He lies about everything, and so you don't know Ever. I mean, he is one of the biggest conspiracy theorists around. So we, he was the king of the birther movement about President Obama. And they're starting all kinds of conspiracy theories about Hillary's health, that really she has a, you know, a doppelganger or you know, a second body out there. Or there. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. Now, I look at Hillary Clinton and I think, I don't know how she does it. She isn't that young, and she is just running herself ragged, and I hope she took enough time off because people get sick. In fact, I have to say that I have a lot of negative feelings about Hillary Clinton because I, don't, I find her very secretive, you know, not as bad as the Donald who won't even you know, release his tax returns. Oh, by the way, his son came up with another excuse. He can't release his tax returns, because they're so complicated, they would distract people from the real issues. In other words, people would see what he was doing, how much money he was really earning, and what he was doing with it, and how much he was lying. That would distract them. They would distract people from Donald Trump pillaring Hillary, right? But I have to say that seeing Hillary trying to go and go to that 9-11 thing when she was so sick... It kind of endeared her to me. It's like she became human. Didn't that happen to you guys? Yes, James I felt Hill? exactly the same way. Absolutely. You know, she said something a while ago. And again, you know, I think she's secretive. I think she has 
been looking out for number one and her number one family, which is the ego, right? Our family, you know, I, I don't trust everything about the Clinton Foundation. Uh, you, know, there, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you know, the emails and all that. But I do really feel like, aside from the fact that I do think that she sincerely cares about somebody other than herself, and I would like to see that grow. But you see her vulnerability, and she talked recently about how she got this kind of icy personality that when she was young, you know, she was in law school, and they were all men, and she just ended up just powering through and not showing any emotions and sort of walling herself up. And think about it, you know, that was a real negative time for women. You know, you did not see women lawyers and women doctors and women and CEOs and all that stuff. You just didn't see it. And so the women who went out there and were trying to break those glass barriers had to have hard heads. Yes. So I felt a little bit more compassion for her there, too. Uh, and I hate to see a guy like Donald Trump twisting people. If you don't like Hillary Clinton's politics, vote against her. I completely agree, and it, it really is so sad. You know, I've, I've watched different interviews uh, and, and different documentary things about Hillary and showing the caring side of her and how she really has fought for women and families and children all of her career. Yeah. And, you know, seeing her laughing and being warm and affectionate with these people. Yeah. And... But then she has to also live in this world of men where you have to be tough. Yes. And she's walking this fine line and she doesn't come across well so much of the time. Yeah. And I think, I think she's really a much nicer person than she comes across. Well, I think I, so, too. May I add something here also? Yeah. Uh, and that is this. Um, I was very pleased to see Bernie Sanders come out and speak about what was going on in this campaign. And he, what he was highlighting is that Trump and Hillary have been, and the media have been all caught up in personalities, which we're talking about here is in terms of yeah. the ego. Yeah. And he said, hey, look at the candidates, what their positions are. Look at the platform that Hillary's running on. Let's yeah. focus on those things. Let's take it to a higher level of what's for the highest good of all and what's in that platform. You know, the platform says, you know, uh, a livable uh, minimum wage for people. Let's talk about that. Talk about the economy. Talk about the things that are going to help the most people. And so he's bringing the focus back as he uh, campaigns for Hillary that let's get this out of their personalities and into the policies. That is so true, James. But uh, Donald has nothing but personality. (laughs) What else can he run on? He has, he is the ego personality. And I want to talk a little bit more about us as voters. Um, You know, by the way, one of the things that burns me up about Donald Trump is that he goes out there and he pretends that he's for the working class and he's against the minimum wage. He wants to repeal the minimum wage. Oh, and he says, oh, yeah, because the minimum wage is so bad for workers. One of the reasons that uh, people come out of poverty is when you raise the minimum wage. It's like, oh, yeah, take away money from the poor and give it to the rich, which is his tax plan. And that is really going to help us. That would talk about policy. But see his personality. He goes out there and he engages. See, now, one of the things that I've noticed about 
Donald, and I'm sure you have too, is that he doesn't really care what he says. He only wants, this is the way it comes across to me. I think he wants to be loved and admired more than anything else. He has a desperate need. I'm not trying to psychologize him. I'm just saying the way it looks to me. It's like he will just feed whatever is worst in the audience because that's what gets people riled up. Now, you can say, but oh, no. Oh, no, that's not true. It, this is not the audience. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the audience. Look at a football game. Look at when your coach comes in and says, kill, kill, kill. Kill the other side. Slaughter them. Destroy them. You know what I mean? And then you have the guys in the, you know, however many people you have in football stadiums. You know, our team, our team, our team. What is happening is that the ego is being fed and riled up. And it becomes so out of control. How many tragedies have happened in sports arenas, like in soccer games, when somebody wins and somebody loses and there's fights? You know, people get trampled to death. You know, people lose it. It's the same thing when you had a lynch mob. You know, you have somebody who is feeding the worst part of us. That's what Donald Trump does. He feeds the worst part of us. And that does make a difference when somebody feeds that yes well what about and what about his admiration of putin oh it's unbelievable but that's (laughs) but that is in fact you know more ego it's like because putin is mr ego he sits there he's got and what and trump said you know that he loves the way putin controls his people that's the ego So he wants to be, I think he's a Putin wannabe, frankly. Yeah, he wants to be a dictator. The ego wants to be totally in control over over everybody. That's right. And people aren't getting that message. Well, no, because it's like what I was trying to say about the football games and the lynch mobs and everything. When you're, you know, we all have egos and all of our egos want to rule the world. Every one of us. I mean, you think Donald Trump is bad. You just look at that two-year-old, right? And that two-year-old says, no, and me, and mine, and wants it its way, right? It's a lot at work to socialize a child to actually even begin to care about anybody else because it hasn't been a socialized ego yet, right? We have a lot of, we do a lot of work on the innerrevolution.org about you know, how we can retrain the ego to be supportive. But anyway, what I'm saying is that within each one of us is a little dictator. And again, a little dictator can be very meek and mild. But see, there's, a, see, there's this flip side. I want to talk about that for a moment. So what Donald does is he goes out there and he riles people up and people identify with him. And they feel like, wow, I am going to be great again, Right. He's telling me I'm going to be great again, and I'm identifying with him. It's the typical fascist. I mean, it's really not that different from Hitler. Um, so it's there it is. It's like, I want to identify with the strong man. It's, it's like the guys who want to pick the winning team. Not that I know anybody like that. Right? So um, it's like everybody wants to be identified with the winner, right? I want to be identified with the winner. 
And that's the way Donald Trump is revving up people's egos because their egos want to be identified with the winner. Then there is another egoic reaction that we have to ego, which is we can be scared shitless of somebody else's ego. And most of us are scared of our own. We're so afraid of that voice that's going to shame us. Ooh, you did something wrong. Mm, You're weak. Everything that Donald Trump says about Hillary Clinton, she's weak. She's weak. She's this. She's a, These are the kinds of things that the egos say to us. And we're always trying to prove that we are not those things. But now let's take, take somebody who is really, really scared of the ego. They might shrink. So let's say you are married to a very violent alcoholic, for example, who, you know, yells and screams and beats you up or beats your children. It could be a woman. It could be a man. Tends to be more likely to be a man, but women can be pretty violent too. So some people have developed a pattern, and most of this patterning started from how we were trained as little egos when we were children. Maybe we had a very violent parent or a very strong-willed one or one who just gave you the look and you crumbled, and you, you became afraid to stand up to the ego. So there are people who are going to vote for Mr. Ego because they are trained to acquiesce. They feel safer when they acquiesce to the ego than when they confront it. So either you could be trying to identify as being powerful because he's your, you know, your guy and he's puffing you up. Or you could just feel kind of like you've got into a habit of shrinking before the ego and, and, and you only feel safe when daddy is in charge. So we're looking for daddy. And that is so much of what our politics uh, are about. And one of the things that makes me really, 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 really sad is that in politics, so often we don't want any kind of discussion because we would actually have to think. Whereas so many of us feel so overwhelmed and afraid Afraid in a world that where ISIS exists. Oh, by the way, we're not mentioning, but one more time, there are more and more victories against uh, the Islamic State in a territorial way. And nobody, none of the Republicans is going to talk about that because they only want to point out things that are going to make Obama look bad. See, and Obama failed us because he wasn't that kind of a leader. He actually thought about things and talked about things. He talked about U.S. history. He talked about some of the terrible things that we have done. He was willing to talk a little bit about racism. I mean, my God, he came in eight years too early, right? And, um, and people don't want to have to think. They want somebody to say, I'm going to save you. So that self-protective me wants the daddy to come and Donald Trump is showing himself to be that promising to be that oh yes i should that's the best way he's deluding us into thinking that he will be that we have a caller beth rose in california okay well let's bring her on we didn't ask for callers but he, she's no, here so this is great this is great 
You know, you may have just started going where I was going to ask about because I want to know about the ego's role around how people can't seem to hear things that I would consider, you know, deal breakers altogether. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I hear about Donald Trump and his business um, approach to screwing, you know, people who work for him, and not paying them and such. I mean, that yeah. just is a deal breaker for me, right? Yes. But when I talk about that to others, I don't hear, you know, it's like that's not where it stops. We start into this, well, what about this about Hillary and what about this about Trump? And it goes back and forth that way. So I just wondered if you could speak to the ego's uh, role in that. Well, I th- thank you, Rose. That's a, a great question and a, and a sad but true observation that, um, sadly enough, a lot of Trump followers are not going to be impacted by what he does. I mean, when he, when he turned around his immigration policy and said, we're not going to build a wall, and he said, we're not going to deport everybody, then we are going to build a wall, we are going to deport people, then we're going to ask them to self-deport, and blah, 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 blah. You would think that his hardcore, some of his hardcore followers would say, this guy is nuts. He told us before we're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to make Mexico pay. And he said, well, maybe Mexico isn't going to pay. They don't care because it's not, you see, it isn't policy oriented. That is the saddest part about this election. It is all ego oriented. They have put their faith in their hero and they don't want to know that that hero has clay feet because otherwise they would be left with the feelings of powerlessness that people experience every day in their lives. You know, so here's a guy, let's say this, let's take a middle-aged white guy. Now, I'm not, certainly not trying to say that all middle-aged white guys are like that, so it wouldn't be total uh, racial stereotyping. But what I am saying is that the, the, here's a guy who maybe grew up in an era where men were treated like they were above women, or he felt like he had much more security in being somehow socially at least above blacks and Hispanics, right? And he's losing that position in the world. Well, he doesn't feel very powerful anymore. Now, we know that it's better for him to have women earning money so that he doesn't have to feel like he has to do it all himself. And and it's healthier for the whole world for people to all be you know, doing well. We, we know this, but on an emotional, egoic level, he is attached to how am I going to feel powerful again? And so he might be one of those guys who will support Trump, and it doesn't matter to him what Trump stands for, because what, what Trump means to him is his, the uh, end of his emasculated time. He is going to be powerful again. That's what Let's Make America Great Again means to some people. It's like, let's put you back on top. Well, I see we have another caller. So, Helen, what are we going to do? Yes, So, thank you, Rose. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, shall we invite Chris in from California? Sure. Otherwise, the Californians might stop listening to our show. That's right. Welcome, Chris. (laughs) Uh, hi, hi. Uh, this show has been great, and I, I just like it brings tears to my eyes to hear you. I might start crying to hear you, you know, really reflect on Donald Trump as a person. And um, I feel like so 
you know, desirous for us to be able to be people again and um, to see where each other is hurt, you know, to really see where when we act so crazy from our ego that it starts first from a place of where we're hurting. And I know you believe in that there's the right use of force or the right use of intervention, you know, so I'm, I'm not saying this because I support him or I think that his views are defensible or anything like that. But, but coming at this very like sad, stark, unreal situation from a place of compassion and understanding is just really wonderful. Beth, thank you for bringing that to us. Well, thank you. And you're really reminding me that we haven't really talked about how do you vote for oneness when you're in this election. One thing that you do is, um, you know, you if you think that these, the Democratic platform is more about oneness than you vote for Democrats. And you push the hell out of them to actually follow through. But uh, the second thing is what, you know, Chris is bringing up. I mean, I do feel compassion for Donald Trump. I can't imagine why anybody needs that much adoration. I mean, what is the missing piece in that man's heart? In and his compassion. life? Yeah. And you know, compassion for the people who will not listen to the truth about him because of their own pain. Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what, you know, we're trying to talk about. So we can vote for oneness in a lot of ways. We can, you know, vote for those candidates. Or it could be if you believe in the Libertarians or the Green Party, you know, if you vote for what you believe is one is accountability and mutual support, more power to you. Uh, and if you, if you think that uh, that is the best way for us to move forward, if you think that by voting for the Libertarians, for the Green Party, that you're going to be pushing forward an agenda that really takes care of people, uh, and you believe that we can get political power that way, I understand that. You know, I do understand that. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, you shouldn't do that, although I'm just terrified that Donald Trump will become president. But I also, you know, I worry about Donald Trump. I wonder what he's going to do next. (laughs) You know what I mean? What can you do? Why does a man have to get the love and adulation of all these people? But there's another way that we can vote for oneness, and that it is that we can be in the oneness ourselves in the way we're being in our world I I do believe that we need to share with people when they are promoting policies that are against oneness, accountability, and mutual support. We can say to people, you know, I understand why you say that. I can understand why you feel that way. But are you aware of what this impact has really on others? You know, try to bring to people's consciousness. And we just keep reaching out. You know, people say, how can you possibly try to talk to Trump supporters? Well, why not? You know, I've always tried to talk to Trump supporters because they're people. Because just as you're saying, Helen, it's our pain. It's our collective pain. And I need to stand up to my own ego. And I don't want to see Trump defeated. I want to see Trump supported to transform I would like to see every one of our egos supported to transform. Uh, We have a fabulous book that is absolutely free on the Internet called Living with Reality. And if you go onto the innerrevolution.org website 
and you sign up for our free newsletter, you will get a PDF version of that book. And it really talks about how we can, in fact, transform ourselves and our world into greater oneness. And let's continue to encourage those on every side, the left, the right. You know, if you're talking to black people to remind and they're in their anguish to remind them about Muslims or about, you know, gay people and 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 to and vice versa and to keep remembering that we are about everybody helping everybody. Thank you, Beth. That that's very touching and so true. And it's so refreshing to hear the way you talk about things. The fact that you are willing to just come out and say, yes, we're talking about Donald Trump and not pull any punches. But at the same time, you offer this very neutral and balanced perspective about why he is so appealing to so many and what we can all do about it, not just in our votes, but in the way we live. And that's what we need. We need to be told what we can all do in our everyday lives that can make a difference because otherwise we just become crippled by our own fear and feelings of impotence. That's right. Every time we vote for our egos and with our egos that it's all about me and I have to put everybody second, we might as well be voting for Donald Trump because we are actually feeding the same wolf We're feeding the same wolf that created him. James, why don't you tell us what we're doing next time? Uh, Next week, Bill Cosby, Brock Turner, Roger Ailes, Anthony Weiner. How many men must fall before we start to help them? A conversation among interrevolutionary men. The news is full of it. A man sexually victimizing someone. Good that we're helping the victims, but what about the perpetrators? Aren't they also victims of their own out-of-control sexuality? Aren't we daily flooded with examples of men raping, molesting, abusing, or sexually harassing others? Aren't tons of households struggling with sons and fathers addicted to pornography? Today we ask, why? Why are so many men struggling with their sexuality? And why are we primarily focused on punishment? Why aren't more of us addressing how we can help? It's time for men to speak up and focus on healing what drives men toward sexual violence and addiction, their own and others. Todd Benton, myself, and Richard DeSanto are part of the Interrevolutionary Men's Group, and we'll be co-hosting and discussing the deep-rooted causes of men's sexual addiction and what we are doing to help. So let's tune in and see if we can't help our men instead of disowning, punishing, or shaming them. And now for a final word. Well, this is going to be an experiment. We're going to try to bring you more wonderful shows and different perspectives by me not being the host. Can you imagine that? How can we have interrevolutionary without radio? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't either. You know, we've had so much fun today. I'm thinking, what am I, crazy? I just might call in as a caller on that show. <laughs> You guys are hosting, and Helen's going to be taking her turn at hosting the week after. And this is an experiment. We're going to see how it goes. But I'm already in a shock. And I'm Me too. <laughs> me too. Beth. Anyway, maybe you won't be able to stop me from coming on. But I love this topic. Oh, my God. Love the perpetrator, right? This is so important. Guys, this is so important. Somebody's doing it. If 
you know, if 50% of the women are, you know, have been raped or molested, where are the men who are doing it? They got to be people we know if it's not ourselves. Anyway. I can't wait for the show. I think it's so needed and such an important topic and so timely. So thank you very much for having that topic be discussed. Thank you. I can't wait for it. And I made up that number about 50%. Okay, love you. Bye, guys. See you next week. Oh, no, I won't. Bye. Love you, too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us.